Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... morning everybody this is evolutionary hardcore emergency podcast number one today we're going to be doing the tony huge heart attack steroid cycle podcast steve Schmee here and the mobster joining me from across the pond in the iron den what's up buddy how you doing what can we learn from this fella and the, the issues he's had it's, this is like a sort of morality tale for us, I think, today, Steve. It really is. Um, uh, I, 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 if I start now, I'll never stop. So we're going to go for each topic as we go along, as we always do. But really, guys, you have to, every single thing that we're going to talk about today, please listen and learn from this man's mentality, from this man's psyche from his medical issues, from what he does. Please pay attention. That's why it's an emergency podcast. It's hot. It's on fire. And we are, I mean, bless him. I'm going to kind of feel sorry for him by the time we're done, Steve. Well, let's get into it. Yeah, Dr. Tony Hughes. Real name is Anthony Hughes. He's a former bankruptcy attorney who turned supplement company spokesman and wannabe social media icon after his failed law career. So in no way, just because he put a doctor in front of his name, in no way is an actual medical doctor. So don't let that doctor in front of his name fool you. I'm gonna jump in there very quickly, Steve, straight away, right? This is an issue for me uh, and, and in terms of influence, right? So you're quite correct. He is a doctor of law, as we will get into in a little bit. He's done, he sat down in front of lawyers and, and, and in, front, in front of uh, um, prosecutors, and they specifically said to him, why do you say you're a doctor? And he says, because I'm a doctor of law, I have a doctorate in, in, in legal studies, whatever it is. Uh, but of course, the issue here is, Steve, is the influence again. Why not say that you're a doctor of law, or why don't you just call yourself Dr. Tony Huge and allow all those people out there that can't be bothered to look this stuff up, think that you have some sort of medical qualification when you do not. So that's an issue right there. Back to you again. Yeah, and in the United States, practicing medicine, you know, like that is, you get in big trouble for that. It's massive yeah. amount of fines and stuff. So it's, it's real. He shouldn't be doing that as it is. So he has been hit with federal lawsuits for his shady business practices in the past. He's been ordered to come back to the United States for a deposition. He's been outcast from the bodybuilding industry from allegedly ratting out other people. Um, he made news once again, and that's why we're doing this special emergency podcast, yep. because he supposedly got a heart attack due to his reckless lifestyle choices. So we're going to get into all that today. We're going to talk, talk about his six-month heart attack cycle that we can <laughs> speculate that he used. So a little bit, you know, a little bit about him. He was born in Sacramento, California. He started modeling as a teenager in magazines and doing videos. He was on a television show in India called Porous. He was also in a movie called Enhance in 2019. 
He's been on a lot of podcasts, claims to be someone fighting for what he calls, quote unquote, medical freedom, whatever his <laughs> version of that is, I guess, because he's a yeah. fake doctor. He's he's, you know, fighting for medical freedom. In other words, he would like to be legally able to spike products and get away with it. That's that's the way I viewed it, Mobster. That's pretty much his view of medical freedom. I want to have a supplement company and I want to sell things. You know. I agree with I agree with you, Steve. I think the reality of this situation is he wants to be able to suggest to people that you should be allowed, uh, especially in, in view of, of course, the American system for insurance and, and, and medical treatment in the state specifically. But we, of course, this is an issue that's becoming something across the world, whether uh, the governments can support the free medical treatment, for example, here in the UK, uh, taxes, et cetera, right? But the, the, the issue then becomes, it, I think Tony goes completely in the other direction. It's one thing to say, I would like to be able to treat a medical condition I have without the exorbitant costs that comes from the medical care in the US. It's another thing to say, I ought to be able to take any drug I like. And worse than that, I ought to be able to take any drug I like and tell everybody else to take any drug I like or they like, and whatever, regardless. And of course, if that happens, as you well know, Steve, you're going to have people doing stupid stuff. And of course, as we will get into that then becomes not only vis-a-vis -vis the product spiking that you've already mentioned, where ingredients are added to products that claim to be one thing, where in fact, there's something else and doing harm that way. But if you say to people, oh, you can take, in my opinion, any drug you want to treat yourself, people would do that. And let's be crude, they will fuck it up. So they were overdose, they would take too much, they won't deal with the side effects. Having a five-minute video from Tony telling you one thing, whereas you really need to go off and do hours of research. Doctors, for example, as you know, Steve, have 10 years just to be an MD, never mind any other speciality, never mind becoming a, 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 a neurosurgeon, for example, just to become an MD in the US, a, a, a GP here in the UK, is a 10-year course. That's eight hours a day, 40, 50 hours a week, never mind the stuff that you have to do when you go to a hospital, when you're awake sometimes 24 hours, 12 hours, 18 hours, 24-hour shifts, etc. That the stuff that everybody does towards the end of their time and before they become fully qualified, it's, let's call it nine years of 50 hours a week. And he's talking about stuff he's read on the internet and stuff that he wants to do to himself and that you should be allowed to do to yourself. The medical freedom that he's trying to talk about is essentially the purest form. You should be able to treat yourself and do it less, uh, more cost-effectively than well, medical insurance and the system in the States. But in reality, it's probably do what you like, no one gives a shit, and fuck the side effects, and if people die, they die. I mean, that's what I'm thinking, Steve. Back to you. So let's get into his listed stats a little bit. And... Um... You know, I got to give him credit for a lawyer. Mm. He looks good. Five foot 10, 240 pounds. Yeah. Um, you know, if you took every 100 lawyers off the street, I think Tony would probably rank number one or number two. I mean, he looks great for a lawyer. Accountants, lawyers usually look like shit. So you, you got to give him credit, although he's on a lot of stuff, yes. <laughs> which yeah. we're going to get yes. into later. Oh, you gotta so say much. he was uh so the past few years um you know we've seen him videos in south asia partying he loves thailand i think because his wife or ex-wife is from thailand or something he's been bar hopping and then the number Baby one thing mama. 
he's been kind of um, trying to hide out from American authorities and he loves to go online and do these podcasts. And just remember when you sleep with dogs, you get fleas. So these guys who are doing videos and podcasts with them and stuff, they're, um, they're not making themselves look good, you know? So uh, just to get some clicks, you're going to basically lower yourself to this level is pretty pathetic. So anyone you see who's, you know, giving them any type of airtime on a podcast, just unlike them, unsubscribe to them. They don't deserve your, your time at all. So that's just, you know, that's my opinion on that. So let's get into his legal problems because uh, this can take a, a whole episode. But the spring of 2018, a judge ordered Hughes to come back to the United States for a deposition. Yeah. I wasn't sure what a deposition is. I'm not really keen on the whole, uh, I don't watch those law shows on TV. So I had to look that up, but it means that they must give a sworn statement. So mobster, yeah, chime in on that one. Yeah, yeah I mean, this is what I referred to earlier on. I believe it was his solicitor or his lawyer. I would say, use the American terminology. So there's a prosecutor in a room. There's someone off to the side taking notes, the same as it would normally be in a courtroom. Uh, I forgot what they're called. And then you've got two lawyers. So I think essentially the way that he, he looked kind of subdued, he was answering the minimum amount of questions and he's pretty much sitting there. Like I said, the, the point of the whole doctor thing come up and that was the bit that they had in the interview that I saw, but there's a much longer version of this, I'm sure. Uh, which side recorded it, I don't know, but probably that's recorded to make sure that there was nothing missed and whether he's got his head up, head down when things are being asked, because again, how you answer uh, is in court that scene, whereas when in a deposition where there's no jury, there's no witnesses, it's not a scene. So it's stuff like that. But essentially, as you said, it's, it is a lawfully given statement in front of uh, prosecution defense, in front of lawyers. And uh, it's just not in a courtroom in front of a judge. That's probably the only difference. And the, the video that I saw was him sitting on one side of the table with a couple of lawyers, uh, the prosecution and someone else sitting on the other side of the table. And obviously the person keeping the minutes making the notes off to the side. Uh, and and of, at the same time, the camera's coming in from uh, his left and he's very, very subdued. None of the personality that you see in any of his videos and any of the other podcasts and any of the other interviews coming across. He, it's, it's To me, it's, I know I'm in the shit. I need to keep this 100% on point. I can't try to take advantage of this. In fact, I got the impression that if he tried, he would have been pushed back down into his seat, metaphorically speaking. He, he would have not been allowed to take control of that. He would not have been allowed to let his personality shine and certainly wasn't being allowed to sort of spread the message that he gives. It was a, a, a just to quite simply, you saw a different side to Tony Huge in that deposition versus the personality, et cetera, that you see online when, for, for want of a better phrase, when he's selling himself, when he's selling his ideas and when he's selling, of course, his products, Steve. I have a buddy of mine I grew up with. He's a lawyer and um, he loves to party. He's always partying. He's going out to clubs. He's hitting on women half his age. <laughs> and but the thing is, he's also you see him on TV doing commercials for his law practice. So it's kind of like I don't know if it's a lawyer thing or or what. But, um, yeah, definitely lawyers, you know, they know, you know, they're they know how to act and they know, they know how to convince, you know, um, a judge or a prosecutor of what they want or a jury. So that's probably, that's probably what you're seeing there. He's a damn good yeah. actor. So he can kind of 
fake his way through through anything if if need be. You're looking innocent, yeah. So the crux of this investigation starts with enhanced athlete misbranding drugs that were being sold to customers over the counter. We've done other podcasts. We've done a podcast about Aaron Singerman, who also did the same thing. And um, again, like I was saying, you sleep with dogs, you get fleas. Of course, Aaron Singerman and Tony Hughes are, are buddies. They're good buddies. And they come from the same line of scumbags, you know, who like to cheat people. So in this situation, one of the things they were doing is they were marketing DMP. And DMP, you know this, mobster, on your side, those of yeah. you who live in Brit- Britain know this very well because it's much pop- more popular in Britain, it seems. A lot of people in your side of the pond have passed away from it. And it's a dangerous, quote unquote, fat burner. I've used yeah. it a couple of times myself. The stuff is so nasty. I could only use it like a week uh, and I had to stop taking it. It basically burns you from the inside out. It, so if you, take, if you take this and you put it in your body, and you don't know what you're taking, it's going to kill you because you don't understand what you're taking. So to misbrand something and claim it's something else, but then put DMP in the product is basically, that's attempted murder in my, in my mind. He should be facing attempted murder for this shit. You know, this stuff is nasty. Yeah, go ahead, Mom. Yep. I'll jump in again here. I mean, just without being specific to Tony, the issue that you, you quite rightly point out is if I, for example, we've, we've adjusted some previous podcasts. If I take, let's say, for example, a product that I claim is going to help you lose weight, as you say, specifically fat, a fat burner, and the legal ingredients that everybody else uses in the industry are of a, say, of a level. Let's say from zero to 10, everybody else is putting in a level six, the most potent, over-the-counter, legally available drugs or sorry, supplements and ingredients that they possibly can. In order for me to get an edge, if I'm the kind of person that we're referring to, I'm going to put in something that's a bit dodgy. And that might be a might be far more of an ingredient than I'm legally allowed to. For example, I might put on the label that I put 400 milligrams of caffeine and I put 600 milligrams of caffeine. That's pushing it up to, say, a six or a seven in terms of its effectiveness. But at the same time, in terms of its potential for side effects. If I think I'm taking 400 milligrams of caffeine and I'm having a couple of cups of coffee, now I'm at six or 700 without even thinking about it. And I, unfortunately, it's not 400 milligrams, it's 500, it's 600 milligrams. Now I'm at 800 milligrams when I think I'm only taking four or 500 milligrams. You know what I mean? That's just there. To then go to this level and be caught with essentially a drug that if you don't know that you're taking it, and if it was a fat burner that you were taking, and you decide rather foolishly, specifically because it's spiked, to double up from, say, for example, and this is typical for a fat burner, uh, as seen, for example, I read Muscular Development Magazine, most of the fat burners are around the 400 milligrams level. Now, if it's got DMP in, and I decide, because it's an over-the-counter supplement, and it's all quite legal, in my opinion, and I don't know that it's spiked, to then double up, and we have seen this said, oh, well, if, if this dose works fine, then twice the dose is going to work great. Well, that would be almost okay with legal ingredients, but when you're into this spiking with pharmaceutical uh, drugs, and specifically a poison, a toxin like DMP, and you not only are you 
just even a low dose causing potential health risk. But if a person out there who doesn't know what's in it takes double, well, then, as you said, you're risking people dying. It's pure and simple. And, that, and, that, and essentially, what are you doing this for? You're doing it to get ahead of the other people in the industry. So in other words, to put it crudely, you're doing it to make more bucks, more of a buck than the next guy. And, and of course, you also get, and I mentioned this in a previous podcast when we talked about spiking, quite simply, you're doing something so that everybody out there that tries your product goes, it's amazing, it's powerful, I can feel it working from the get-go without realizing the reason their heart is racing, the reason they're sweating, the reason their fat's dropping off of them is because they're taking a drug that they had no intention of taking. And of course, as we know, Steve, in, in a few cases when this has happened, when products have been spiked, you then end up with a law lawsuit and those people that took the drug unknowingly and potentially hurt themselves can then make a claim against the company. And of course, I think that's what we're looking at here. Back to you. Yeah, and what happened here is the government, we had talked about this on previous podcasts, but the way it works is the government, they build a case. You know, people say, well, why didn't they step in and stop them sooner? Yada, yada. The government has to build a case. It takes time. It takes months. It can take even years until they have an open and shut case to come in and raid them, which they did in December of 2017, and put a stop to it. But if they raid them too soon, then... You know, what ends up happening is these guys get tipped off, they can move their operations somewhere else, they can, they don't have a case yet, and they end up basically getting off anyway. So in this situation, they have to really, really, because they knew him being an attorney, he knew every trick in the book, and we're going to get into that shortly. Another thing that the company was doing that he was doing was selling fake SARMs, and we've seen this on the forums over the years, and here, and here's the, here's why this happened. I'll explain this one to you. Because when they banned pro-hormones in the United States from being sold over the counter, you used to be able to buy these designer steroids over the counter, these pro-hormones online. But when they banned it here, then these supplement companies had millions of dollars of this powder just sitting in their warehouses. Yeah. So do you really think that they took all this millions of dollars of supply of product and just threw it out? No. They took it and they started putting it in other things. And in this case, they started putting it in supplements. They started putting it into SARMs. And unless you get the products tested yourself, you'd have no way of knowing that this was, this was happening, you see? So this is what these companies did, including Enhance. And, and of course, he had no scruples about, about doing this. He's got no ethics. So why would he give a shit if he was poisoning his own uh, customers? I'll jump back in here again, Steve. It's essentially exactly what you said, but it's also that thing that I just mentioned before, which is the idea, for example, right, we know from our own research, from our own experience, and from talking again to thousands of people online, that for the most part, Psalms are taken at the right dosages, the dosages, the effective dosages that we put, we talk about on the forums, are, I won't say harmless, because that, that would be an exaggeration, but if you take the effective dosage uh, you're going to get a mild but positive result. And over time, combined with nutrition and training and everything else that you're supposed to do, you'll see a, a, a good result with far, far less side effects, for example, than a steroid. But if, as we're talking about here, you essentially add a steroid, which is what most pro-hormones were, 
mold versions of steroids that never really become what we think of as steroids. And you add that to your product, you get a combination of things, and that's without even getting side effects. You get a quote unquote better result. So my psalm is better than your psalm, but that's because I've spiked it with a steroid. So go, you add three pounds, which would be perfectly reasonable on a small psalm cycle. What I've had is six pounds doing exactly the same amount as you have, but that's because I don't know that I'm really using the steroid. And of course, then you get into the issue of, well, then you might have gyno. And we've seen this, as you quite properly say, we've seen complaint after complaint after complaint on the forums. I'm getting side effects like I'm on steroids, but I'm only using SARMs. And we say, what product are you using? And without me saying it on, on this podcast, guess which one it is. Come on, guys. We're back to the same thing that we said with DMP. If DMP can cure you, then spiking a SARM with a pro-hormone is giving you a drug without telling you that they're giving you a drug. That's not medical freedom. That's taking the fucking piss. It's giving you, it's not saying you should have the freedom to take a drug. Here, I agree with you. Let's join together and, and fight the government and get the law overturned. No, I'm just going to break the law and give you a drug without your knowledge. And you're going to not think it's a, a steroid. So you're not going to negate the effects that you can, for example, with an aromatized inhibitor or, or taking a product, say, for example, like N2GAR to protect your organs, could you didn't you needed to because you wasn't told. So, of course, the, the FDA at some point jump in and they go absolutely crazy and you end up in a situation that he ended up in. Back to you. Yeah, and these clowns that have them have them on their podcast and interview him recently and stuff. They're 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 clowns. They're sellouts. Yeah. Why don't they ask him that question? Why don't they ask him? Because he's always railing about freedom, this, freedom that. He wants us to think that he went to Thailand because it's more free in Thailand. How does that even make sense? Isn't Thailand like a dictatorship? Like, dude, shut the fuck up. He he wants every he thinks every one of us is stupid. And we're not. We're smarter than that. All right. He's a he's a fucking clown. And these people that interview him, why don't they fucking Geralt grow some balls and tell him you are bragging about all this shit, women and cars. Why don't you pay back your customers that you fucking robbed? And that's what it is. It's a fucking robbery. And you rob me of money. I'm going to fuck you up to get my money back. That's how it works. Where I come from, at least. But in his world, he gets to do what he what the fuck he wants because he's a lawyer and he knows the law. So he gets to cheat the system, which is yeah. true. And that's how lawyers think. That's why lawyers become politicians, because they want to change laws and they want to have power. So that's why everyone says, oh, why are all politicians lawyers? Well, that's why he's a fucking politician in an alternate world. He would be a politician and he would be making laws to fuck, you know, fuck with us the same way the politicians do now. So he's he is not all about freedom. He is all about authoritarianism. That's what he's all about. He wants yeah, to be able to sell fake ass shit, give people gynecomastia, give people jaundice from liver disease, give people heart attacks just like he gets because it's freedom in his mind. It's a fucking it's a clown show. So when this court case, when this whole business went to went to shit and he ended up doing a deposition, et cetera, et cetera, the thing that was being claimed at the time, and this is all online, guys, you can check this out for yourselves, is he claimed he was a spokesman for the company. But in reality, 
you've got to argue differently. If I rep for, in the UK here, let's say I rep for a company like, as I did in the past, a company like Bulk.com, which sells for the most part simple products, effectively sold, yada, yada, yada. And I get an allowance per month, either for products or cash or whatever else. Then I'm repping, or arguably, I'm acting as a spokesperson for the company. Now, whether you're at my level as I was then, or you're Mr. Olympia and getting paid a great deal more, let's say for argument's sake, a six-figure salary, you are still arguably repping for the company. You are representing the company. You're acting as an agent, perhaps. You're not going out and knocking on doors and selling the product, but by representing the company, you're selling the product. By giving out a code, you're representing the product, and so on and so forth, right? So his argument was that, legally speaking, he didn't have that control to, to say that he was in charge of the company. He wasn't making the decisions on a daily basis and so on and so forth. So he said, I was acting as a spokesperson. How does that ring true, Steve? It doesn't. He might have figured out a legal way to be paid essentially a very, very, very nice salary, the same salary he'd got if he was a director of the company, the same salary he'd got if he was in daily control, the same salary he'd got if he was ringing up and speaking to his business partner that he was spokesperson for, but not a business partner. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's to, to say that he muddied the water as a gray area, it's kind of a joke. And of course, this is our opinion. So what we're saying in our opinion was, he wasn't a spokesperson. He might have been a spokesperson legally written down on some piece of paper somewhere, but essentially he was as running the company the same as if he'd been a director in a boardroom and sitting next to the SEO and sitting next to the guy that was in charge of the accounts. Same, 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 same. Yeah, and, and, we, and we see this, you make a great point, Mom. So we see this in business uh, all the time. Whenever you see um, like a scandal with a, with a company or something, you'll always see a situation like this where you'll have a person running it, but he's not listed that he's running it. We yeah. see this kind of like in the mafia. You ever see mafia movies kind of like that where the, the head mafia guy, he's not the one doing the murdering and he's not the one selling the drugs and selling the prostitutes and running the, the brothels and all this stuff and running the gambling rings. So, you know, but those guys that are around them are the ones that take the fall first. And it's all about them ratting him out for him to, to, to fall down. They usually get him on tax evasion and that sort of thing, which is obviously, I'm sure Tony is, um, he doesn't pay his taxes. I'm sure he figured out a way to kind of cheat his taxes the same way. But in this case, what's fucked up about it is it looks like to me from where I'm, where I'm sitting and reading this, the people around him were the ones that he had take the fall because he set the company up in a way where he can get away with this all along. And the other people around them are the ones that are getting sent to prison. In this case, his business partner got sent to prison, but he, nothing happened to him. So his business partner, Scott Cavill, is the one who took the brunt of the punishment. And, and of course, I'm, I'm going to make the assumption that he ratted him out. What do you think, Monster? Yeah, well, I'd say that's that the whole point of that deposition is essentially that you are... Un we see this in these kind of crime TV programs in the States, here in the UK, and, and in the movies. I, will, I am willing to cooperate with the authorities. In other words, I don't want to go to jail. 
I don't want to get sentenced. I don't want to get fined. I don't want all my property taken away from me. I don't want all that money that I've got stashed in a, in a, in a box in, under the tree in the garden. I don't want none of those things taken away from me. So I'm going to cooperate with the authorities. I'm going to sit there, as per the video that we referred to earlier, and I'm going to do a deposition, and, and, and I'm going to put my hand up and say, you know, I call myself a doctor when it's a doctor of law. Um, this is what happened. This is what I recall. This is what it says on these documents that I signed, and so on and so forth. So in other words, I will assist you as best I possibly can to allow someone, but not me, to go to jail. And, and we've seen this in, in movies. I mean, hell, I've got lawyer John Grisham books here, and it's always, well, someone's going to jail. So you, let's see if we can figure out, if it's not gonna be you, someone needs to go to jail. Someone needs to suffer for this thing. You're gonna get fined, you just won't go to jail. You're going to lose your house, but you'll still have your freedom. Blah, 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 blah. That's what's happened. That's what's happened. The problem for me, again, is even if you allow for all of that and you go, okay, is it happening again? Is, is he still fucking the system? Is he still doing stuff? We could do a whole podcast just on this. You know, is, is, is there going to be some mess down the road, Steve? It's, it, you know. I, I, I want to get on to the next part of this podcast because I think if we, we go talk about spiking and we talk about the legalities and we talk about how he markets and, and what he produces and whatever else, I want to get into how his influence in terms of his advice by his own actions, look at what I do, copy what I do, and the way that he now pushes himself still with a company all, with almost exactly the same name, and, and still doing other stuff out there. But more than that, his influence on people that follow him and do what he does, and you end up with this situation that made us have this emergency podcast in the first place, Steve. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, you know, you want to get into his addiction? Um, yeah, I'll get into it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. why don't you talk about that, yeah. Literally what's happened in the last few days, everybody, is he did a video, which I think was a little while ago because it was recorded here in the U.S., uh, so probably sometime after the Olympia, and for some reason, it went under the radar, and then it got picked up, uh, and, and uh, bodybuilding and bullshit picked it up, and uh, RX Muscle has done a bit on it, and essentially he says, I think I had a heart attack, and, and uh, that appears to be the case. It's not it's one of those full-blown pain down the left arm, clutching your chest, I think I'm going to die kind of things, but his lifestyle and everything else that he's been doing, which we're really going to get into, has led to the situation where he has to go and see a doctor. I think he's damaged a valve at the bottom of his heart, Steve. Um, there's scar tissue, he refers to blood clots. And what we're talking about here, and this is the reason why we've created this podcast, not just to tear it's only a new one, although he does deserve it, let's be fair, for his actions in the past, but for the way of his own lifestyle and his own recommendations, any advice, any influence he has for the documentaries and for the interviews and all the other podcasts and videos and stuff that you referred to earlier on, Steve, that he's done already, the influence that he has. And the influence that he has is thus. If he talks about medical freedoms, the freedom to take any drug I like, he admits to taking, for example, opioids. And we can only guess what that is. He talks about taking drugs for sexual enhancement. Well, that's fine. You know, taking a bit of Cialis because you want to have a longer time a longer fun time with your girlfriend is one thing, but he's, he's, he's injected drugs. 
and, and, and one of the things that stuck in my mind, and I mentioned this in the pre-show to Steve, was Dave Palumbo-Rorex muscle interviews him and says, what supplements, and when he says supplements, he means drugs as well as actual supplements, uh, are you taking right now? And Tony says, I'd have to go around the apartment, the condo, and look. In other words, Steve, he doesn't know everything that he's taking. He literally can't remember what he's using. And it's kind of this ad, ad hoc, oh, I'll just take this now because I want to feel like this. I'll just take this because I want my shoulder to look this way. I'll just do this. And the problem, again, that I was getting at is the danger for everybody else that's influenced. And I'm, I'm obviously, I say younger people because that's the easiest thing to think of. But really, it's probably everybody. Older people that want to improve. Older people that want to look like Tony. Older people that want to look like, you know, a ripped, good-looking physique on a lawyer. Look at Tony with his shoulders. Look at Tony with his veins. I should be able to do the things that Tony does. I should be able to take the medication that Tony takes. But Tony's had a heart attack. Tony's fucked himself. And if Tony's not very careful, Tony will die. And the issue, which is the reason specifically for this podcast, is we don't want you out there to keep doing what Tony's done and end up dead because of what Tony did. Tony said it was okay. Tony was okay with spiking my products. Tony doesn't have a fucking clue what fucking drugs he's on, but you want to do what Tony does and look like Tony. No. That's the bottom line. No. Because if you do, how fucked do you? Do you want a heart attack? Tony himself says. The line that caught my attention the other day, and I mentioned it to Steve when we did the last podcast and the pre-show today was, I don't think I can chemical my way out of this. How bad is he? He, he, he says he, he barely was doing any cardio and he was doing one or two hours a month. He would go for a walk for 10 minutes and he was getting out of condition. This was an indication both of the, the, the effect that the drugs were having on his body, Steve, and of course, the fact that he was doing fucking two hours of cardio a month. That's a joke. I've talked about being the size that I am and the weight that I am. And I'm not lean and ripped bodybuilder type. I'm a big strength athlete. When I'm doing two hours of, of walking, I'm getting 5,000, 6,000, 10,000 steps a day. The minimum I'm getting is 7,000 steps a day, Steve, just to walk around and be vaguely healthy at my, 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 my height, my weight, my body fat. To be able to carry on training and doing the weights that I'm doing at 57, well, that's just... Yeah, well, you're 57 thing. and you never had a heart attack. He's 38, 39, and he already has a heart I attack. Outweigh, I outweigh him by right now, Steve, sitting here talking to you, the scowls this morning. I outweigh him by 90 pounds, and I haven't had a fucking heart attack. I'm not doing the amount of drugs that he's doing. I, I know exactly what drugs I take when I take them. I wouldn't have to get up and walk around my room, my house, my whatever, my office here... I wouldn't have to pull out my drawer with my drugs in it and go, oh, I don't know what's in there, Steve. Let's see what I'm taking. I would know what I'm taking. And if I sit down with you as a client, for example, and I talk to you online on this podcast, and I said, right, guys, this is what I think you should do, it would be based on some sort of idea of what's the most effective dosage for that particular aim. If, for example, we talked about TRT, you and I know this, we've addressed it a million times, we say, right, most people should be on around 100, 125 milligrams a week. The upper end, the complete and upper far end, and it's very rare that we see people on this level, 
really when the guys are self-prescribing it's normally what, what we actually call cruising that for a few rare cases it is prescribed that level but it is extremely rare it's like one or two percent it might be 300 milligrams for those people there or thereabouts there's going to be somewhere in the middle but really it's typically 100 125 milligrams that's what most doctors would prescribe if i was online and i was selling you these drugs and i was trying to push these drugs then i'm going to encourage you to take as much as possible but in this particular case it's kind of like a situation where he probably doesn't know how much he's taking and he's encouraging that mentality in the people that follow him and there's the danger so you get you go from trt to cruising and you go from the medically prescribed 100 to 100 to 300 and then you go right you're not doing any bloods you're not checking your health and you end up in a situation like he has with everything that we're going to get into as far as what he's doing where you could have died and you could have had the proper pain down the left arm clutching your chest heart attack you could end up with a situation like we've had with a couple of professional bodybuilders where they're dying on their own choking on food and that was just on steroids because of pre-existing medical conditions uh, and again it's that thing for me that the biggest part of this is the influence he has as a spokesperson for medical freedom and i'm I, I, I'm just proper inverted commas when I say those things because it's not really a spokesperson and it's not really medical freedom we're talking about here. So, yeah, unless, unless you and I, I mean, talk about his heart attack with the COVID, et cetera, Steve, and then let's get into the drugs. So, his, you know, he went on the Chris Bell show back in September and he had actually warned on that show, which I thought it was interesting, that he, he already knew he had blood clots all over his body and one could yeah. dislodge anytime, give him a heart attack. So guess what happened a few months later, January 2020, 2022, 2022, he did, in fact, have what he thinks is a heart attack. I'm not quite sure if it was actually diagnosed as a heart attack, but it was some sort of heart issue um, yes. where he had to take it, you know, they have to be hospitalized. So a few months prior, he had a severe bout of COVID-19 and that exposed a lot of the poor lifestyle decisions he had been, uh, pre he had previously made. And then Sorry, he had complained about pain and pressure in his chest, which are possible symptoms of a heart attack. So once he had testing done in his heart, it was real. He had very high inflammation levels and he, and he correctly admits that his abuse of chemicals and anabolic steroids over the years had burdened my heart, quote unquote. He also says that having COVID-19, which he refers to as the flu. I'm not really sure why he does that. I think he's just, I, I don't know. In his own mind. He's yeah, he's just, I, I think he's just trying to act like, I, I don't really understand that at all. I, I think I mean, that's just, yeah, I, I don't get that part. It's in, I think it's in his, it's, look, it's like you and I, you know, back in the day, right? When I was a young boy, if you used the C word, if you said cancer in front of certain adults, you got told off. They hated the idea of the word. And of course, back in yeah, the day, yeah, it was, yeah. that's it was, probably it was what it is. Scary yeah. disease, right? So if you say, for example, now, I, I do it sometimes just to wind people up. I would do it. Oh, might have cancer of the foot. You shouldn't say that. But it's only the older generation. There's a generation older than myself. I'm already older as it is. So this is one of those things where in your own mind, you're trying to downplay something which could have killed you into something that probably won't have killed you. And, it, and again, it's one of those things that's allowing him to carry on doing stupid stuff and carry on recommending people to do stupid stuff. So if I say, for example, that all the stupid shit that I've done, as well as 
me having COVID-19 nearly killed me, that's a big deal. But if I say I was doing a load of stupid stuff, but I only had the flu and I had a little bit of a problem, it's the same thing, but it makes it sound a lot fucking better. In reality, it's not. If, if COVID could have killed him, had it been a bad case, if, if it had had pre-existing medical issues, if he was obese, for example, if he already had heart issues prior to all the stupid stuff that he's done, let's, let's be honest, it's been incredibly lucky not to have killed himself already with the stuff that he's done to put himself in the situations that he's been in, whatever else. So it's just, it's, it's a way of downplaying the terminology rather than the reality, you know? So the reality, if he would admit to it, is I really should stop doing the stupid stuff that I'm doing. But if I word it this particular way, it doesn't sound so bad. And that's what he's doing. And that's probably as much to himself as those people that are going to be watching the videos and listening to what he has to say. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those. Yeah, I think also because he's he's trying to send a message that he knows more than everyone yes. else. Like he yeah. he knows more than the doctors. So now he's tr- pretending to be like an expert on heart attacks. He never knew anything about it. If he knew he was an expert, he wouldn't have had a heart attack at 39. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So this is what he says. He says his D-dimer score was over 2,500 when it should be less than 500. His CPK and his CKMB levels were way higher than normal range. He says his doctor recommended surgery because his mitral valve prolapse needed to be repaired. So the valve needs to be closed properly so you have proper blood flow in and out of the heart. So to have a condition like this at 38, 39 years old, is unheard of unless the person is like morbidly obese and has some type of heart condition previous or something like that. This is unheard of for someone in their late thirties. I mean, this is something that people even in their sixties that get that are in really bad shape. I don't, you know, this is like people in their sixties who've eaten crap and not exercised their whole life. They get these types of conditions in their sixties. So the fact that he's getting at 38, 39 is really, really bizarre. And I'm sure, I'm sure Tony, I don't know his diet, but I'm sure Tony eats pretty healthy. I don't think he eats ice cream and cookies and cake and processed foods. I think he eats a healthy diet. So that just tells you how much damage he had been doing to his heart. Also, the number of blood clots in his body was higher than someone who dies from COVID-19. So he's basically just a walking grenade at this point. Um, he all in, in his mobster said, you know, the lack of cardio. Um, I talk about cardio as much as I can, guys. Uh, if you want to be an alpha male, you have to have a strong heart. You know what I'm saying? You have to be able to. Our ancestors, when they were running away from predators or running after yep. food, yep. Yep. if they couldn't do either, they would die. They wouldn't live. Yeah, they would starve or they would get eaten, one one or the other. So if you want to be an alpha, you got to be able to have good good cardio. Your resting heart rate as an athlete should be under 65, you know, and uh, it's just no excuse for it. And his resting heart rate is probably over 100. His resting heart rate would be no different than any other couch potato, overweight, American, Brit, or whatever, any other country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'll let oh, you guys, chime you in on that. Be, yep. You want to be big and muscular. One of the things you like, especially the younger guys, that's all the guys try to avoid these things because we're kind of sensible. But when you're a younger guy, 
with muscles and you look a certain particular way and you're chasing the girls and all the rest of the stuff that you reasoned you've got those muscles on in the first place would you like the idea that maybe if you absolutely have to and you're not some kind of arsehole you might have to have a fight well if you haven't got any kind of condition guys you're going to get winded real real quick most fights are over in a couple of minutes but boxers and pretty much every fighter that you can think of is professional fight specifically and even the guys that compete as amateur fighters will train for 12 or 16 rounds, even if the fight's going to be a one or two round fight. Bouncers and guys that do door work that also go off and do gym work and specifically some sort of fighting, whether it's boxing or MMA or whatever else, so that when they're on the doors, when they're, when they're doing security kind of work or whatever else, they will train a specific way. It's never just for a couple of minutes. So if you if, if you're part of being a big muscular fella or or, or fit muscular fitty female is having condition and of course having condition cardio condition enables you to train hard in the gym that's is that that's another part of it you're going to get winded and be hanging out of your ass if you can only do 15 minutes in the gym and of course if like tony you're relying on drugs to do all the work that that lack of time that you can't put into the gym comes with so, for example, you can't train at a fast pace in the gym if you don't have cardio condition. You can't get ripped without tons of drugs if you can't do the cardio and if you can't do the diet and all those kind of things. So you've got to do this thing. And the obvious thing, and I've talked about this before, Steve, is quite simple. I want to be big and muscular for as long as possible. I don't want to be big and muscular for five minutes. I don't want to be big and strong for five minutes. I want to be doing this shit for a long time. And again, I say that as an older person. It's, it's, I, I want to be able to say that I can do certain particular things in my 50s, in my 60s, in my 70s, and, and, and to whenever time is my time is up. But I don't want my time to be up when I'm 50. I don't want my time to be up when I'm 40. Or I don't want my time to be up in this, car, in this case, very nearly at 39. I mean, honestly, I just can't get my head around, Steve. His own admission of doing cardio for 10 minutes, two times a month. I mean, that's probably the most honest thing that he said. Yeah, just 10 minutes, two times a month, Steve. It's fucking hilarious, man. I get more cardio than that going to the shops to get food. You get more cardio than that doing your day job, Steve. Come on, two times a month. Christ Almighty! Oh man, honestly. Well, well, I think I think too. That's twenty minutes. It's part of his. It's part of his stick. It's part of his stick. Cardio is for wimps. You know he. That's 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 a thing. Like he thinks cardio is for wimps. You can't drug your way out of this stuff. You just can't. When you have beta males like Tony, who are telling everyone else what mm. is an alpha that's what ends up happening you end up with a bunch of betas and that's what his followers are you know who have been following him and it's not their fault it's not their fault but hopefully you guys are understanding the those of you who are fans of him those of you who are following him we're not doing this podcast to bash him it's nothing personal not really. we're doing no, this podcast to show you the stuff that he is speaking and teaching yeah. is wrong. Yes. And I'm explaining to you that our ancestors who didn't have good cardio died either of starvation or they got eaten. Yeah. One or the other. You think mobsters ancestors over there in England 
who are fighting during the <laughs> Middle Ages, each other. They were fighting Germany, yeah. Scotland, Ireland, Wales. Yeah. They're fighting everybody all the time. That's what they did. You think they went out on the battlefield and they had bad cardio? <laughs> Your ancestors would march for days wearing 100 pounds of armor, carrying swords, right? March for yeah, days and miles and miles and miles with no food. How much cardio do you think they had to have to do that? How much they would, you know, how they would deliver messages to, to the troops back in those days? They would run, they would run a hundred miles through the rain, through the cold to get messages to the king and get messages to the nobles and get messages to the, the, the you know, to William Wallace and, and the other guys over there who were fighting the battles. How do you think they deliver messages? They didn't have the Pony Express in those days. So, I mean, good Lord, guys, it is not wimpy to have good cardio. It is alpha to have good yes. cardio. Go and run a mile today and get that mile time down and you'll be an alpha. Run that mile time as low as you can. And that's that's being an it's alpha. That's how crazy this stuff is, right? If if looking a certain way was the be all and end all, I've, got, I've kind of had a bizarre idea in my mind just now, Steve, right? So you go to a club. The only way that this would work is that you wouldn't have to be able to walk far from a car because you wouldn't want to get out of breath. And you go into a nightclub to pick up some hottie. And you get there, right? You can't dance too much because you've got no condition. So mostly it's going to be standing around because if you dance, you're going to get sweaty, you're going to get out of breath. And that's not a good look. Okay, so now you, you find yourself a hottie that's kind of half listening to what you've got to say while you, while you give her, you know, how, how special you are and what great lawyer you are and whatever else, right? You're looking amazing. Oh, she, she's looking at you. She can see that you look pretty good. Got great hair, great teeth, got a good chest, shoulders filling out your shirt. You kind of look like you do something in the gym. She's thinking maybe he's got something for, going for him. But like I said, you can't dance. You can't run around the room. You can't fight with your mates or anything like that. You can't protect her or whatever. So you get back to her place and you've got to take a bunch of drugs to perform, uh, which he freely admits to. And because of the situation and because he enjoys himself in that particular way. And you need another bunch of drugs just to give you the energy to be able to perform because cardio helps you in a sack. It's as simple as that. So that's how fucked up this kind of situation is. And the beta alpha thing that, that Steve refers to is kind of true because it's on the basis of if you're so tied up with your self-image, if you're so tied up on a superficiality that lack of cardio, that lack of strength, that lack of actually ability to do anything, then it's just a purely superficial thing. It's just literally the appearance of being capable. So you can have a six pack and look like you could go for hours with that hottie. You look like you could dance on that dance floor for hours and show the hottie a good time. You look like a guy that could go from nightclub to nightclub with that hottie and show her different places and get her into this club and get her into that place and go to the after party. But really, you can't. So, I mean, and that, that's, that's an exaggeration of the whole alpha beta thing. The, the, the situation what we're talking about here, guys, is that when we talk about this stuff, it's sometimes, and, and I'm sure Steve and I have been a little bit guilty of this stuff, which is another reason why we can say it. You sometimes get a little bit too far away from the reason why you started it and the reason you're looking for performance enhancement. And that's the thing, it's performance enhancement we're talking about here when we talk about this podcast. And the reason why, for example, wanted to look like a great bodybuilder on a stage. But I'm reminded again, Steve, of Dexter Jackson saying, if you know, if it fits your macros work, then why did I have to diet? If all the guys 
didn't have to do cardio, then why do so many of them do cardio? Why do so many of the top pros just get on the on the step machine and, and on rower and on the on the bikes and put that time in? No, they do those things because it's a necessity. And here's a guy that wasn't doing those things and nearly died. And we're back to what I said earlier on, Steve. The influence that he has on all those beaters, all those people that insist on following what Tony says. And part of the reason why they insist on following what he says is because it seems like the easy way to do things. And the reality is that people like a professional top bodybuilder have to diet, professional top bodybuilders and other athletes have to do cardio. And you can't drug your way through every single thing. And then at 39, very nearly have a full-blown heart attack that you that requires potentially requires surgery, that retrenched cars actually prescribe medication and so on and so forth. Let's talk about the drugs that we think he takes, Steve. not just performance enhancing uh, steroids and, and, and stuff like that, all the drugs. Yeah. Let's really get into so that me, kind of stuff. As well. So let me go over some of the peptides because I do have experience uh, with, with peptides uh, more than you, Mobster. So I'm going to go over this BPC-157. Um, I've used BPC-157. It is a peptide. It's a peptide that you inject into an injury to help heal injuries. In Tony's case, he was using it, though, for his heart because it does have heart benefits. So 2,000 micrograms per day, which is a a very high dose. But, you know, that's probably something that that he was using. He even admits it that he was using, as you said. Another one, TB500. TB500 is also very, very good for healing, for recovery. When I've taken TB500, I've noticed my workouts, when I have a really, really hard workout, I would be recovered much quicker. Like, um, I would be ready to go. I'll put it this way. After a hard leg day, you ever have a hard leg day and you're like wiped out the next day and and it's like you're dragging, you're dragging if you go to the gym. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Running TB500, you know, you're able to recover much quicker uh, from a brutal workout. So, um, these two, but he, he used them for his heart. He's messing around with these for his heart health. Um, the other peptide PT141, PT141 is going to help boost libido and in turn, it's going to help boost erections. It's basically one of the strip ingredients from melanotan, but it doesn't come with the side effects of melanotan too, which are, you know, the flushing and the, um, the nausea feeling and stuff. But running PT4141 does have other benefits besides sexual health. So I've run PT141. Um, if you run a lot of it, you'll get like a boner like the whole day. And it's probably what he wants, you know, because his lifestyle, he's probably likes to, you know, he admits yeah. in his videos, he likes oh, to yeah, yeah. hookers over there in Thailand and stuff. So oh, yeah. Yeah, so that that's that's something for him uh, definitely to use, but also Viagra and Cialis, um, cock, a cocktail of all three, and but it puts so much pressure on on your health, and you can make the argument too that there are some health benefits from taking it, but when you abuse, yes. you know, this cocktail, it is not beneficial in the end, and it's just putting a lot more pressure on your heart. So, I mean, that alone can kill you if you overdose on Viagra. Yeah, it's just it's damage. It's a ripple yeah, effect. Yeah, you're mucking you're mucking around with what we thought about this in the pre-show are essentially blood pressure medications. And in as I've referred to again to with Steve in the pre-show, 
his interview with Dave Palumbo, Rarex Muscle, he, uh, Dave actually says, uh, if you're using Cialis, don't. He says, because it's, it's on top of everything else, and especially with any prescribed medication that he might be getting for his condition, it probably will mess with his blood pressure worse than Viagra, because of the Viagra could be a shorter acting blood pressure medication, and of course, libido enhancer, uh, versus Cialis, which is a much longer acting with a much longer half-life. So again, with everything else that's going on, what we're talking about here is these things, and he's freely admitted to the peptides that Steve's already mentioned, uh, in, in saying that he was taking these medications now in the Thailand interview with Dave, uh, that's just recent and gone live, uh, to help heal his heart. In other words, he's trying to self-prescribe medication to try and do something that the doctors really ought to be doing and he shouldn't be carrying on doing this other stuff and then using sexual enhancement products, which were originally designed for blood pressure, to self-heal again. And again, I don't think he's qualified to do these things. And the idea that he can fix it, like I said earlier on, is kind of, is negative. Tony, if you could fix it, you wouldn't have had the problem. If taken all these medications, taken all these peptides, which he was almost certainly still using before, for other reasons, with just plain good old-fashioned injury uh, and rehab, to try and then use the same drugs that you used it before to fix the problem that you got while you was using those drugs that you were using before, it's kind of stupid. I mean, there's a, there's a there's a phrase over here when we talk about putting the cart before the horse. He's not made his mind up what he's doing. Is the horse in front? Is the horse behind? I don't know. You can't take the same fucking drugs that you were taking before to fix the problem that you've got to taking the same drugs that you took before. How does that make any sense? It makes no sense whatsoever. And yet he has admitted, we're not, we're not picking these drugs out of thin air here. He has freely admitted to taking his drugs to fix the heart issue. But I'm telling you guys that he would have been taking his drugs before because in the case of TB and BPC, they're both fine peptides. They're helping you heal from injuries and other issues, but you can't fix something that already caused a problem that you didn't fix before it doesn't make any sense to me steve and and that's that's just the peptides that you've mentioned uh, what else uh, go go through a couple psalms. other yeah. yeah psalms i mean look he owns or is a spokesperson for i mean i'm just gonna whatever one guys pick whichever one you think is the right right answer to that question uh a company that produces psalms which we suggest because we see this online with the comments that we made earlier on about people complaining. So he's using Psalms, legitimate ones, or his own company's product, which we think are spiked because of the complaints. So therefore Psalms with pro-hormones in. Again, it's hard to say what ones he's taking, Steve, when, like I said earlier on, he, he would literally have to walk around his condo to see what he's taking. And my, my thought process on, on how he takes drugs and even just Psalms, is it's kind of like, well, I need to get a little bit leaner, so I'll take this. And then a week later, oh, I need, oh, I'd like to see if I can sight inject something into my shoulder because I think my shoulders could look a little bit better. Do you think my shoulders will look a bit down? And that's the thought process. There's no cycle. I mean, when, when we're talking about these drugs, guys, and I think Steve says this in the article that we're going to attach to this, we're not talking about, you know, an, an eight-week or 12-week cycle. This is like a six-month thing. And it's kind of probably drugs are coming in and coming out according to Tony's mindset for the day. So I wouldn't even specify the psalm, Steve. It's probably just going to be, I think I need to be leaner, I'll take X. I think I need to be leaner, bigger, I'll take Y. I think, you know, I need to have a bit more pop, I'll take Z, and so on and so forth. And that's going to be his mindset based on the day 
based on whether he's going to be doing a video or a podcast or whatever else. And 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 it's completely unplanned. He almost won't know what's working, what's not working. I've seen stuff, I think even in his enhanced documentary, where he kind of claims that he could. But the only person in that documentary that did anything kind of bottled out on doing the whole 12-week challenge and plan and whatever else. Tony's kind of, my thing with Psalms would be, what needs to be used today, I'll use today. And then tomorrow could be something else. A week from now, it could be something else. I think if I'm in the US, I'm going to be at an expo, it'll be this. If I'm in Thailand and I need to bang myself a few Thai chicks, it's going to be that. And it's just going to be kind of random, Steve. It won't be run for eight weeks or 12 weeks. It won't be run to let's see what results I got. That may well have been the case back in the day. But right now, the situation that's brought him up to where he is, I, I'm going to say it's just about as unplanned as it's possible to be. And that's just on the Psalms. The, the other drugs, Steve, I'll let you touch on the next ones now. Uh, probably the same thing for me again. Unplanned, uh, no real idea, 100% of what they're doing. Maybe some sort of idea what they did in the past when he wasn't doing everything and anything. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, so let's go over um, a few of the anabolic steroids and yeah. other really high-end PEDs. Yeah. Human growth hormone, it's not an anabolic steroid. It's a peptide, of course. Um, 18 IUs per day. Um, no doubt he was using that much. I'm sure in Thailand he can get ACH much cheaper yep. than anywhere else um, in the Western world. So no doubt he was running a bunch of it. ACH is a really, really good peptide. Um, a normal Joe can run two IUs, three IUs at the most and get tremendous yep. results. He's running 18 IUs uh, because that's his thing. He wants to abuse it. Trembolone, that's an anabolic steroid. Most powerful, it's a golden nectar while steroids. A dose for a normal gym rat. You could run six weeks of trembolone acetate at 200 milligrams a week. That's it. And you could get tremendous results and, and break PRs just on that dosage. He's running 1,200 yeah. milligrams a week because that's his shtick. He wants to abuse his body. He wants to be a guinea pig on his own body. Testosterone yeah. sipinate, 1,000 milligrams per week. Masteron, 1,000 milligrams a week. He wants the hardening. Yeah. And then you've got Anadrol and Winstrol. These are two very potent, very harsh oral steroids, 150 milligrams of Anadrol a day. 200 milligrams a day of Winstrol. Very, very harsh steroids. Winstrol dries you out. Anadrol gives you that mass, gives you that size that he was after um, in the picture. So look, at the end of the day, you know, a Tony, you know, um, I, I, like I said, for a lawyer, he looks fantastic. Does yeah. he suffer from bigorexia? Absolutely. Does yeah. he, is he a narcissist? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's part of bodybuilding. Many bodybuilders fit that bill. So it's not like he's a rare version of, a, of, of what bodybuilding is in a, in a lot of ways. Extremely. He's just a yes. poor role model for it, in, in, in our opinion. You know, so at the end of the day, you know, he runs all these steroids to basically, if you ran all this type of cycle, you would be a professional, but he can't even win a regional show because his, no. you need the genetics. He's missing the genetics. That's, that's what he's missing. So he's using all these drugs to cover up for it. So your thoughts on that mobster and then finish up. There's like four other compounds. We can speculate that he was running that you can talk yeah, about. I mean, one of the things I was going to say in terms of drugs, and he's admitted to this, I think we, we referenced it in the Mark uh, Bell uh, podcast that he did. 
uh, and there's a link to the YouTube uh, in the in the article itself, the the video. In the video, there's a comment made, almost as an aside, about him using opioids. In other words, recreational drugs to get high. Now, you know, again, guys, we're not going to moralise too much. <laughs> We've moralised plenty in this podcast as it is. But we're not going to moralise too much that guys in their time have experimented with getting high. Back in the day doing this, and then I kind of got out of it because I grew up and I become a parent and so on and so forth. Lots of people kind of take that journey. Obviously, if it becomes something, an addictive type of behaviour, uh, you can end up with problems. And again, we're talking about heroin addicts, coke addicts, whatever, you know, meth addicts and so on and so forth and all the potential issues. And I don't think Tony really falls into that category because if he, if he was going to be that way, I'm certainly sure he could afford to be that way. And he hasn't become that. But the problem here again is it's in addition to everything else that he's doing. And one of the things that ties into that, Steve, um, is what I call, I think if he's got an addiction, is to risky behaviour. Uh, and, 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 and as you said, it's like a walking, talking experiment for himself. But that would be okay if your walking, talking experiment and any videos you did were literally for your own entertainment, for your own education. So you recorded your thoughts on taking this, you recorded your body's response to taking that. The issue here is, and I'm sure you're going to get into this as well, doing all these things and this risk type behavior or risky type behavior and taking opioids and SARMs, and peptoids, and anabolic steroids, and DMP, and spike products, and everything else that you're doing, both to yourself and what you're, for want of a better phrase, selling as a lifestyle, as a benefit, as quote-unquote medical freedom, has ended up in a situation where you could have died of a heart attack yourself. And yet you're still, because I don't think we're talking about him changing his ways, we're still talking about pushing these ideals, and they're not ideals, obviously, but they're ideals perhaps in his mind, onto those people that follow you and think that if you can look that way, we've just taken this drug and a little bit of exercise and no cardio, then hell, it's easy and I should do it. And yet there you are with your knackered valve. Not sure if you had a heart attack or not require potential medical surgery and needing to go to hospital and still kind of trying to negate the, and downplay the wording and the terminology, never mind the actual re response and the actual reaction that you've had and actual things. I mean, you know, just like the, the phrase blood clots all over my body, what the fuck? The, the idea you was only doing 20 minutes of cardio made me laugh, honestly, it's a joke. And the idea that you can drug your way out of everything and anything with your medical freedom, how's that worked for you? It fucking hasn't, has it? And if it hasn't worked for him, guys, what makes it think it's going to work for you? You can't do everything the easy way. Sometimes you've got to get up on a cold fucking morning and go and get your steps in. Sometimes when you've finished a hard day at work, whatever your job happens to be, whether it's a lawyer in a lawyer's office or whether it's down at Amazon in a fulfillment plant or whatever, sometimes you've got to come home and put the work in, to put the time in. Sometimes 
you've got to put your coat on and put your hood up and you've got to go out there and get your steps in. You've got to go out for a run. Sometimes you've got to come home and sit in the garage and talk to the wife, but still be pedaling away on your bike. Sometimes you've got to go to the gym when you're hanging out your ass, you're tired, it's the end of the working week and you've still got to put your time on the rower. Sometimes you've still got to do that shit. You can't drug your way out of everything. And like I said, performance enhancing drugs also enhance your life. That's the whole point of that word. It shouldn't be something that puts you in hospital. It shouldn't be something that harms you. And if you're going to be a spokesperson just for that lifestyle, then surely part of, there's a responsibility that comes with that. I could sit here, Steve could sit where he is in the US, and we could do, be doing absolutely crazy, stupid, fucked up things. But there's a responsibility, not for us to tell you all the crazy, stupid, fucked up things that we're doing, but to actually try to encourage you, like we do, to do the right thing, to do the proper thing, to stay healthy, to keep alive, to be capable of going to the gym and doing an hour's work, to put young people to shame, to, to be able to move weights that younger guys can only aspire to and all that kind of stuff. And it should be done with a lifelong journey, a dedication. And we're not, we're not so old school that we're back in the golden age of bodybuilding and there's no drugs, no performance enhancement at whatsoever. We're not that back in those times but some of what those guys were pushing healthy diets healthy lifestyles cardio conditioning going for a swim running along the beach that's what you should aspire to with your muscular physique with your enhancement but not to the point where you can't do more than 20 minutes a month and you have a heart attack and you won't require surgery and you can still try to drug your way out of that hole that you've put yourself in, Steve. What do you think? Well, I think, I think it kind of ties in because we talked on the pre-show. We went over some of the things he was using. There were a few more things um, that I want you to talk about. But one of the things that we didn't mention that you kind of tied into what you just said is, is uppers and downers. And yeah. He's a type of person, he needs an upper to get up in the morning, he needs an upper to go work out, and then he needs a downer to go to sleep at night. So I can say, you know, that he was on a ton of stimulants, whether the recreational drugs helped out with that or something. So next, so but what next, happens, maybe. yeah, and then when you take all this stuff, now you need to take something to offset it to be able to go to sleep. Yes. So I don't think that he sleeps well. I think he probably sleeps two or three hours a night tops. And that probably helped him get through law school and become a lawyer, being yes. able to, you know, um, you know, there's a term for it that we use in, in academia. It's called crashing. It's called uh, crashing for a test the night before. He has that ability to crash the night before, get on all these stimulants and stay up all night to crash for a test at the last minute and then do well on that test the next day. That's a talent. And certain people can do that and certain people can't. So he applies that not just to his education, but also to his weight training, his steroid use. And it's not giving a shit about two days from now. It's giving a shit about two minutes from now. And that's how he approaches his life. And it's going to cut your life short. It's I, I was shocked when I looked up his age and saw he was only 39. I was absolutely shocked because someone with 39 should not be having this type of heart condition as he has it makes absolutely no sense like we see we've talked about these bodybuilders who have passed away they've been in their mid to late 40s 
46, 47 years old, but not 38, 39. You know, you have someone like Dallas McCarver, McCarver who passes away in their mid 20s. You know, that's this level. This that's this level of of incompetence when it comes to uh, treating your health. So give us your final thoughts, Mobster, and talk about some of the other stuff that we, we didn't uh, talk about yet that he may have used and then and then take us into the disclaimer. I think something he, he mentioned uh, in another podcast, in another video, uh, he was talking about uh, Greg Touchette and Greg was on about uh, Turkestarone and saying, you know, the sales of uh, Psalms are down and the, and the sales of Turkestarone are up, et cetera, et cetera. And he talks about this risk, risk versus reward thing, which I think really ties in with what I'm going to get to at the end. And he says, for example, you know, if steroids have the higher risk and uh, Psalms have a medium kind of risk, then Turkestarone has the lowest risk of all. He says, but I would probably take all of them for that extra 5% or 2% or 1% that I might get from Turkestarone. So I would use steroids, I would use Psalms, and I would use Turkestarone. And, and that really kind of tied in part of it. I think there's also something else that he kind of hints at, uh, and this is probably in the Dave Palumbo interview, where he says something to the effects of, that he enjoys, and I said it earlier on, the risk behavior, what Steve just touched on when he talks about uh, cramming and crashing for uh, studies and so on and so forth, right? So what you're supposed to do, guys, is you, if, I mean, I, God, I, I, was, I, I fucked up on this level. Back in school, being told that we had 16 weeks till our final exams, and I left it to the last two weeks. And then it was panic stations and sitting there for hours every night, trying to cram that information in that wasn't getting in because I'd left it to the last minute. So there's an, an element of a lifestyle choice being made here with him, and he freely admits to it. So he talks about having that kind of mentality for his business dealings, having that, I think, mentality, especially here is what we're talking about with regards to his health, having that mentality in what he sells. And when I say sells, I mean in giving advice and influencing people as well as actually selling. And it's this idea that it can all be last minute, it can all be done with drugs, it could all be, it, it, for him, it's kind of an excitement. It's ironically what gets his heart racing, Steve. And that's probably more metaphorical than literal, that just that element of excitement in his life comes from this risk versus reward type behavior. High risk, high reward, his words. Well, how has that worked out for you? High risk didn't do any cardio, took loads of drugs, got muscular, so there's some reward, ended up with a heart condition when he wasn't quite 40, could have died before he was 40 years of age. Where's the reward there? Guys, we're back to what I said before. This, 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 we could probably go from now to, it's probably his DMP, Steve. There's just so many drugs. It strikes me as a kind of guy that would experiment with pretty much everything out there. I've got a book here in my bodybuilding library upstairs, which talks, I think there's uh, the, 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 literally the chemical way that steroids are made. I think I've got saved on my phone a screenshot, a list of over a hundred different kinds of steroids. Most of these were stuff that was invented and never got used. Some of them become pro-hormones and so on and so forth. Uh, the, the, the whole Balco scandal was experimenting with lesser known steroids and masking agents. Tony strikes me as a sort of person that would find that information that I've got for himself online, where I got it from, and from the books I brought from Amazon, and probably work his way down the list, literally experimenting. I'm reminded of, a, 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 I think it was a Victorian scientist 
he got his giant book of chemicals and the and decided to experiment with the effects they would have on the human body and unfortunately for him i say unfortunately he got as far as one that was um the victorian version of x-lax a laxative and spent four days pretty much in the toilet shitting his brains out and called a halt to the experiment this is kind of where his mentality comes from and we see some examples of this occasionally on the forums where guys can only train a gym if they've got the worst kind of uh, pre-workout or, or more they're taking anxiety drugs just to be able to focus in the gym they're taking recreational drugs just to be able to have a workout and for us and it's an extreme form of behavior and we go come on if you can't remember why you went to the gym that passion to be strong or muscular or lean or athletic that's what should get you into the gym and then literally some days you're going to have more enthusiasm than others that's just life so consistently gets you in the gym realizing that when the days when you train when you're tired as well as when you're full of energy as well as when you're focused and and hard for it so to speak getting that done, putting your 12, your 16 weeks, doing the years, the end game is what you're aiming for. You can't drug your way. I mean, we know, for example, there are guys that haven't trained at all and they're asking about steroids before they've even gone to the gym. Go to the gym first, guys, put the work in. And the same thing applies here. So what we get to the end here with Tony is all of those things, all of the bad ideas, all of the drugs that you can possibly use, Tony's done that. He's pretty much done every bad habit or bad idea or every drug that you can think of that potentially on its own might enhance your ability to train or look good or whatever, but he's done them all. He does them all and, and by his own admission, when he can't tell you what he's taking today, then that says not only has he done them all, he's done them all unplanned or unfocused. And Steve said, literally in the moment. So today I want my arms to look better. Tomorrow I want my shoulders to look better and so on. So instead of training for 12 weeks to improve your delts, to improve your biceps, to, to put a quarter of an inch on here and there by increasing the weight on the bar and up in your protein a little bit, et cetera, et cetera, like a, you know, most people do. I'm just going to take more drugs, which I've been kind of randomly mixing them up and tomorrow my aspiration might change. My ability to focus on this thing has gone on to something else. It's gone on to a business thing. It's gone on to a relationship thing. And they'll come back to this thing again. Oh, yeah, that was right. I remember I wanted to build my arms up. Let's take more of that drug. And that's how it's coming across. And it's bit him on the arse. And what we think is if you follow him, if you do what he's done, it's going to bite you on the arse too. That's, that's, that's as simple as, it, simple as it is, Steve. You've got to... Guys, have half an eye, even if you're young and devil may care and careless and whatever, you've got to have half an eye on the long-term stuff here. Throwing 30 pounds of muscle on you takes getting used to. And one of the things that would take getting used to in that situation, Steve, is the digestion and your heart and your lungs. That's why we say five pounds is a better game than 30 pounds. 30 pounds will come two, three, four cycles. 30 pounds will come in one, two, three years and you will get there and you will be big and muscular and you will outshine most people in the gym and you will be a hench beast with the gains and all the other terminology that we like to use online and on the forums and we'll be pulling each other's legs and whatever else. 
but you will become that muscular thing, that athletic thing that you want to be. But it doesn't have to be done in an unplanned, random, throw every drug there ever is at you. And it needs to be done with half an eye on the future. Who wants to look good now? I want to look good all the fucking time. I want to look good 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I want to be strong, in my case, for that kind of length of time. And like I said, I outweigh Tony at his best right now, sitting here doing this podcast by 90 fucking pounds. And I, was, I went out and done 18, 1900 steps before I did the gym. And then I did the gym, and now I'm doing the podcast. That's what I did this morning. Tony, Tony did one fraction of the steps that I did this morning, and that was per month. That's how fucked up that is. And so if you guys are taking, and I don't think all our listeners are, but it's well worth us pointing it out. If followers of Tony think that you can do what Tony's done and get away with it, then Tony's a good example right now of the simple fact that you can't. I don't think he had any pre-existing genetic medical conditions. I don't think he had any sort of family history. I don't think Tony's mentioned any of those things and the things that I've looked at of his. He hasn't brought them up. He hasn't said, oh, I thought I had a heart attack, but my mum had one. I thought I had a heart attack, but it's in my family. He hasn't said that. So Tony has to ask himself, why did it happen? It happened, Tony, because you have no clue what you're doing when it comes to drugs. You have no clue of the advice that you're influence and the influence and, and potential or damage that you're doing to other people. You have no clue or you don't care when you had the company that was spiking products, whether you, whether you was a spokesperson or whether you actually had some influence on what was going on there. And arguably, you didn't really care what you were doing to yourself. And then you had this wake-up call. And I pray that it's a wake-up call. This is how bad this is. I don't know. I mean, I think he's got a couple of kids, right? So we go, right, there's a, a fella out there with a couple of kids who probably want their dad to be around. And I don't know that Tony necessarily comes across as a horrible person. I don't think he does. Comes across as an affable guy. Maybe someone that almost needs you to like him. But one of the comments I saw on our forum, and I kind of agreed with this, and I think Steve's kind of agreed with this as well. It is a perverse thing that the best thing that could possibly have happened to get people to listen to what we're saying in this podcast, to look after your health, would be that Tony could have died. And had he died, maybe some people would have turned around and said, you know what, I can't do what Tony did because look what's happened. I can't follow his advice, his lifestyle, his selling of this process because look what's happened. No one wants to die at 39 when they might have, for example, another 20, 30, 40 years. I will want to look good or be strong for another 20, 30, or 40 years if I can especially if I was 39 years of age. So, guys, you have to understand this. If he himself has ended up in this situation, then you cannot do what he's done and hope for better. You need to listen to us. You need to listen to all the other podcasts that are out there. You need to think to yourself why this is newsworthy, why people have done videos on it. Why is Tony Huge having a heart attack? A, a, a thing because of the lifestyle, because of what he's tried to sell, what he's tried to, the message he's tried to spread. 
you've got to pay attention. And 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 again, I think the other thing is there, Steve, as well, is because so many people, possibly because of the COVID thing, possibly because of the lifestyle choices that are being made, maybe even as a result of being 300 pound muscular bodybuilders using lots of performance enhancing drugs and not doing some of the crazy stuff that, that Tony's doing. We've had so many people die in the last two years above and beyond what would normally be dropping down dead, above and beyond, you know, being 300 pounds isn't healthy, taking lots of drugs isn't healthy, and, and, and Tony is probably the worst example, and yet perversely, he's still alive. So, you know, oh my God, you know, well, I can, I can roll a dice and still, no, you can't roll a dice, you can't do these things. You really need to make sure that some part of this performance enhancing lifestyle of yours is about staying this side of healthy. Being really big and really muscular and really strong, it doesn't mean you're gonna be able to run 10 miles or climb up a mountain easily or whatever else. But equally, uh, you should be able to climb the stairs. You should be able to carry your kids around. You should be able to go for a bike ride. You should be able to go for you know, a nice stroll with the girlfriend. You should be able to dance at a nightclub. You should be able to do all those things above and beyond looking amazing and feeling strong and being muscular and all that other kind of stuff. Yeah. So anyway, Steve, that's it. Yeah, I just want to add this before you do the disclaimer. Listen, um, for yeah. those of you thinking, you know, I can get away with it, he got away with it. The, the, the struggle of a heart attack, and I mentioned this when we did the Cali Muscle That's, well, yeah. podcast, it's not, it, it's after it happens. It's not before. Yes. Because after it happens, then you have the surgery done, then you have to be on all these drugs that they give you, yeah. all these diuretics. It's miserable after a heart attack. You're gonna, he's going to have to spend the rest of his life on yeah. medication, and it's going to suck. Because the medication is not going to allow him to ever work out the way he wanted to work out before. The diuretics that he has to take is going to make him have to pee every fucking minute. He's not going to be able to go on a road trip because he's going to be having to pee every five seconds. It's miserable. So take care of your heart when you're young. You'll build a strong heart. Again, the best way to check your heart that doesn't cost you more than 10 bucks is get a heart rate monitor that can test your blood pressure and your, your resting heart rate at home. And that will tell you the health of your heart on the surface. And as you get older, you need to start getting your heart checked. You need to do stress tests on your heart. You need to check your arteries, make sure everything's clear. Those are simple things you can do to prevent getting a stroke or getting a heart attack. Because once it happens, it's going to be miserable after. It will be miserable the rest of your life. It will not be fun. So, you know, just, just, just my advice on that, guys, you know, at the end of the day, you know, he's not someone to listen to, Tony Huge. He is not someone to listen to. Do not follow what he's saying or what he's doing. It's the wrong direction. 100%, Steve. If you ever have a heart attack, I know people that have had heart operations. It's six months to a year just with stuff to suppress your immune system because they've opened your chest up, <clears throat> literally split you down the sternum, opened your chest up, fucked around with your heart, done what needed to be done, and then stitched you back up. And that just the, the effect on your immune system, especially now with the COVID issue, is, is uh, you're taking drugs just for that, you're taking drugs just to recover, and then you've got the blood thinners and everything else that Steve said. So, yeah, I mean, Tony is one more issue away from having a heart operation. He's one more issue away from potentially dying. And 
do you need to die to learn a lesson? That's just self, no, that's no, absolutely not. You do not. So it's one of those things. Sometimes you can listen to us guys when it comes to taking certain amounts of gear and we can argue to toss about dosages and you can make your own choices. You're allowed to do that. That's your freedom. But sometimes you should listen to the advice. And this is one of those times. Do not copy his behavior, his habits, his cycles, his choices, and expect to see a different result. The person, the spokesperson for that lifestyle has had kick up the ass, a middle could kick up the ass. Please, God, that he pays attention to that himself. I don't think that he will. I think it's one of those things, Steve, he's going to get over and he's going to move on and he's going to go back to the same silly habits as before. And he's just going to keep rolling the dice and rolling the dice and rolling the dice and he's going to drop down there. But like I said, it's the influence on other people that bothers me. All right, guys, that's the end. Please note, as always, we're not doctors and opinions on these podcasts are hours and hours alone. Our view, and it's based on the experience and views that we have on the topic. A podcast for informational purposes and entertainment only, the freedom of speech and the first of amendment.